Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, friends. Hello. Another beautiful week for everybody out there. It's a week. Whether it's beautiful or not, that's up to you. We have a great show today. First, we are talking all about how to find your personal style. This is the one that really speaks to me, so I can't wait to talk about it. And then we're going to talk about endometriosis. We're going to chat with Diana Falzone, who is a Endometriosis Foundation of America ambassador. And then you guys are going to come with me while I cover the red carpet of the Endometriosis Foundation of America's 11th annual Blossom Ball here. New York City. But as always, we have hashtag swag bag. And up next, take it away, child. Taking shit. Tomorrow is my first baby's birthday. Oh. Clementine, my half chi, half palm. She's a Pisces. I would never have expected her to be a Pisces. No, and I know nothing about Pisces because no one in my life is one. Water sign. They're usually very calm and quiet. I mean, she is unless someone rings the doorbell. Or has rotisserie. She's quiet. She's just leaning on you and doing the little paw tap. She is my precious little baby and I love her so much. And she's turning nine and I am trying to think what to do for her that makes her feel good. I was like, oh, maybe I'll take her to PetSmart to get groomed, but she hates being groomed. And then it's like, maybe I'll take her to the dog park, but she hates the dog park because she doesn't like other dogs. She just wants to snuggle with you and watch Real Housewives. Yeah, so I'm going to have a great day tomorrow. I told you every year on Beckett's birthday, I get a portrait or something done in his honor. That's a good idea. Maybe I'll do something like that. You have that ugly portrait of her that's amazing. I love that ugly portrait. I also want to have the guy who sets up shop at Fish's Eddie like once a year and paints on the cardboard. His are like a hundred Bucks. I know I want to do that too. You should get her on the back of a Levi's jacket like I got for Beckett. It's my most prized possession. That is really cute. I love her. The shits are I have already violated our first crush article rules. With who? Because now I feel very protective over Luna. With my friend Talia's baby because Sebastian was goo goo over her. I think it's because she was a baby. But of course it turned into I guess they're going to get married. Men always like younger women. Ew. When we were crossing the street he would stand in front of the stroller to watch and make sure cars don't hit her, holding her hand while she was in the stroll. I mean, this is a baby that she wasn't even one. It was just his first real experience with a baby and a very beautiful baby at that. But he was just goo-goo over her. And then it turned into me, my friend Talia, who was the mother of the baby, and Zach being like, we're going to show these pictures at their wedding. Haven't you learned anything? While I was saying it, I was like, man, this is not a good thing for me to be saying. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up is Seth Rogen went on some podcast and he basically talked talked about how he in no way regrets not having kids. He and his wife are able to do certain things with their life because they haven't had kids. That interview made me regret having kids. It kind of did me too. Then I thought about, well, I really love Sebastian. No regrets about that. Then we wouldn't have a mom podcast. I think we need to hear from more men. We talked about this in our last episode when Carrie's hashtag swag bag pick was Chelsea Handler. I think women like Chelsea Handler who so proudly come out and say that 
that they don't want to have children are judged so harshly. And I think incorrectly, I think there's no reason to judge people who don't want to have children. Probably smarter, honestly. Absolutely. The problem is we just haven't heard from more men who are saying this. Look, it's no secret. I love Seth Rogen. Carrie loves Seth Rogen. I read his autobiography. It was a great book. Also a great swag bag pick. Seth, if you're listening, send us some of your pottery, please. Oh my God, I'm dying for it. I'm really just happy to hear a man with as much clout saying, I'm happy with this decision. My wife and I live a good life. We needed to hear it from a man, so I'm just happy it happened. How about you, my friend? My shits are the sickness. If you are queasy, skip ahead. Last night I went to bed. I made a home-cooked meal. It was good. Didn't seem bad. I went to bed feeling a little firm in the belly. Like, I feel like I didn't really eat that much, but man, my belly is distended. and I don't feel so great. So I went to bed at 8.30 and slept for 11 hours and got up and took a gigantic diarrhea, got my kid ready for school and was like, ooh, I really don't feel good. Let me just jump in the shower. Maybe that'll do it. Proceeded to vomit in the shower. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever vomited in the shower. Don't do it. It sounds like the best place to vomit. I know. It really does. Listen, I couldn't have vomited anywhere else. It projectiled out of my body. Right. You had no choice. At the time, I was like, this could be great. It was chunky. It did not go down. Oh. And then my tub was filling up to my ankles with vomit water. Oh. With floating chunks. Oh. Okay. And then while I was already sick, I had to scoop the chunks out of the way to drain it. Oh. Then I had to Lee bring me paper towels and a thing to scoop all the chunks out. And then I had to wash the tub and then wash my body. It was really rank. While we're on the subject, last week, the day after we came back from LA was my parents' anniversary. Matt was still in LA. Me, my mom, my dad, and Sebastian went to this Spanish restaurant by us that we really like. Sebastian had been complaining that his stomach was hurting. And I was like, oh my God, okay. We got a seltzer water, whatever. We're sitting at the table. He ordered his kid's cocktail, which you know, Shirley Temple. Yep. He didn't want to eat. We're eating our soup. And I'm like, dude, you got to eat. I'm just thinking he's being a pain in the ass not eating. Right. I give him some Shirley Temple and I'm chit-chatting with my parents. And all of a sudden, my kid just starts projectile vomiting all over the table. Then I guess the table was too wet for him. So he turns his head and starts puking on the floor. (laughs) And I'm like, we got to go. We got to go. Ushering him out of the restaurant. I think Sebastian had a mild bout of neurovirus. Which is what I think I have. I visited my sister who has three kids under five. They were sick. And I think I got it. I'm very cold, which never happens to me. So obviously something's going on. The good news is I have a Puerto Rico vacation scheduled for next week and none of my clothes fit. So this might have just done the trick. (laughs) I'm one stomach flu away from my goal weight. I think I'm three. Just to get those shorts to fit from last year will be good enough. Oh, disordered eating. 90s children. That's the shits is that the sickness has come to me. The tits are, I think I'm going to go to grad school. That's cool. And it's been making me really excited to think about. I went to a theater art school, which we never had to write any papers. It was a very strenuous theater art school, but it wasn't your traditional. I didn't take a psychology class. I didn't take an English class. I didn't take those kind of classes. I didn't take a psychology class either. And I'm a nerd. I really wanted to take those classes. And in fact, I tried to fight to take those classes and there just wasn't time in my schedule. But since I had a baby, my esteem has really been affected. I know that's hard to tell because you guys think I have great self-esteem, but personally, my sense of self has really been shattered to the ground since having a baby. Really, truly. I've been clawing through trying to reclaim myself. Us getting Scary Mommy was the first part of me reclaiming myself. I've always wanted to go further with my education. I'm from a family of people that really value higher education. My aunt was the first female vice president of Rutgers University. She was the dean of students. Teaching really changed me. I think I want to do something that is a desk job. I want to know that I have benefits coming in and I want to be able to do something that I 
can do into my old age. You're not questioning every day what the next move is. Right. And I used to love that about life. Now that I have a kid, I don't so much love that. It's not fun when you're older. And all the careers I've chosen don't age well. Aging in Hollywood for a woman is not great. Yoga career, I mean, yoga, you should do your whole life, but it's very hard, one, to make a living, and two, as you get older, it's hard to do some of the stuff. Yeah. Podcasting is maybe the only career that has been a good choice for aging. I just decided to make a choice to do something for my future, and I haven't really looked that far ahead ever. I'm a moment-to-moment kind of gal, and it's not set in stone yet. Actually, a little bit later today, I have a call with the head of the program to see if it's a good fit, but I'm excited at the prospect of really celebrating this 45th year of my life in really doing something for me. I'm excited for you. Guys, it doesn't mean Montrage is ending, just so you know. You've definitely been looking to find a flexible job that still allows you to be present in your kid's life. Have summers off, that kind of shit. You considered real estate. You have an expertise, which is you are a trained actor, you know? You spent all this money on an education in that. And I went hard, man. I went to London to study Shakespeare. I mean, I went fucking hard. It's not like me acting where it's like, I want to be an actor, but I always had a backup. This was your number one thing. So why not harness that and turn it into something that you can actually make consistent money and a retirement fund? As a woman with ADHD, I throw a lot of things at the wall to see what sticks. This feels not like that. It feels like a choice that is made from a knowledge of what has happened and all the things you've done and not some rando shit. It feels like a really grown up choice. I'm proud that I made it on my own. This degree that I want is a really specific one. It's a master's of education in theater. You're going to do it virtually? It's hybrid. One, it gets you your New Jersey teaching license so I can teach K through three of any subject. It gives me a specific theater teaching degree in New Jersey that allows me to teach K through 12. And then it gives me another degree, the master's part of it, because I already have the BFA that allow me to be a professor of theater in college. I'm looking at Rowan in New Jersey. It's in South Jersey by my mom. The New York City one's closer, but the degree I get, I would have to then take the New Jersey license and it's like a double thing. And at least with the Rowan, it's right by my mom. So I've built in childcare and it's really only two summers, one fall, one spring. And two summers are the most manageable. I think that's great. I'm excited for you. And it allows me to do all the other things like podcast and be a mom. It's geared for people who are already full-time working. So guys, here's to you. It's never too late to follow your dreams. Many, many years ago, I read a Vogue article that I'm going to make us cover in a later episode because it was so life-changing for me. It reminds me of this. Okay. A woman said that she kept trying to get cool haircuts and every time she got a cool haircut, it just never looked right on her. It never looked right. And then she met a woman, because she works at Vogue, obviously, who was like, everybody fits in a certain time period and it might not be the time period you're in. You reference this a lot. And so she was like a Botticelli girl. Like full-figured. Kind of. And she had big curls. And so a modern edgy haircut would never look good on her. And once she embraced that, she really felt like everything changed for her. I'm a girl who has felt that way too, that sometimes stuff just doesn't look good on me. In that same vein, Ashley and I have tried to figure out a million different ways to talk about style after having a baby. This was on an NPR Life Kit podcast. It was like an aha moment for me. It was a way of talking about finding your personal style that I honestly hadn't really heard of. It's what should I wear, forget fashion trends, and find 
find your personal style. Which I agree with. I think trends are trends for a reason. There is nothing wrong with having your go-to style. So anyway, we'll link it in the show notes. They also have a wonderful cartoon transcription of the episode, which is really cute too. In it, the main interviewer interviews her mom because she says her mom has always been stylish and that's how it starts. Then they talk to other people, but it's really interesting. To start, take an inventory of what you like. And that could be through your own closet. Go on Pinterest. Just notice what do you keep liking. Anytime I see an outfit I like, I pause the video, I screenshot it, and I put it into an album in my phone because it tells me what pieces I need to get and inspiration for an outfit. Then, this is the hard part, go through your closet and try every single item on. That is the hard part. That's a lot. And that's the not fun part too. Not fun for so many reasons. Yes. So many reasons. Even Marie Kondo, God bless her changing her ways after having more children, but she (laughs) always says you gotta take everything out. You gotta go whole hog or nothing. You can do it little by little. If you have a closet like mine that's sectioned off, you can do like, I'm doing drawers today. I'm doing hanging stuff. In this article, they really say you gotta lay it all out to see the quantity because you start to play games with yourself. Okay. Let go of the clothes you don't wear. Yeah. Just let them go. Stop saying when I lose five pounds, stop saying this is great for when I get an Oscar nomination. I have one pair of skinny jeans that were just my absolute favorite skinny jeans that I can't bear to part with, but I parted with everything else. So I allowed myself. Right. So let go, let it go, let it go. Then identify once again, the pieces that you love, 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 like non-negotiable love, love, love. Use those pieces that you already own that you absolutely love as the foundation for your style. So I put here, Ashley, the blazer and a neckerchief and a white button down. What are your loves? A white button down, a scarf, blazer, a turtleneck. I love a sneaker, a ballet flat. I love a trouser, whether that's a denim trouser or a trouser trouser, like a suit. Mine would be jeans. I will elevate them, non-elevate, whatever that word is. I love a bright highlighter color. Yes, you do. Like a hot pink, acid yellow, a red. I love an animal print. You like loud. Loud. But these loud things are your staples. And I'll mix them all together. My loud is a neutral to me. That's what's great about style, right? Is what works for one person doesn't necessarily have to work for everybody. Then pay close attention to how your clothes fit. This made me sweaty when I read that. But it just means what fit looks good on you. When we were packing for LA, Matt was packing for the award show he had to go to. He was putting on clothes and they were fitting him tight and he was still trying to make it work. And I was like, no, honey, I know you like those pieces, but they don't fit right. And you're not achieving the look you want because it doesn't fit you right. Right. So we got to make it work in another way. And that goes for all of us, men, women, children. Meet yourself where you're at. So what looks good? What kind of fit? A baby doll dress used to be my go-to style. Then I had a baby. Now it just looks like I'm pregnant again. I can't wear that. A V-neck is so much more flattering to me. Yep. Or an actual true waist rather than where most waists are. That works well for me. So pay close attention to how your clothes fit and what shapes fit well. If you have an item you like, but it could use some fixes, and she uses that word because it could mean a lot of different things, take it to her tailor. And I've heard this from people who have good style. A tailor should be your best friend. I've been getting a lot better at that. Well, when I lived in the city, I had a tailor that I liked. I have somebody really good here. I'll travel for that. For little things like pants, 
alterations. Go to the tailor at the dry cleaner, but a good, good tailor I have for you here in Hoboken. If you want to buy something and they don't have it in your size, size up and have a tailor fit you. It's always cheaper to take away fabric than it is to add. I'm kind of against that whole thing. I think if you want something and it doesn't fit you and you can't get your size, you got to move on. No, I think that if you really like something and it fits weird, but if you have to get a size up and have it fit to your body, go ahead. Because no one ever thinks to size up because you want to be like, I'm not that big. Right, right, right. No vanity sizing here. Buy the bigger size, have it fit. But you know, we can have differing opinions on things. This is just one person's opinion. Absolutely. Create a shopping philosophy, which is a set of rules that you create for yourself. Don't buy ballet flats if you hate them. Just because they're in style, if you've never liked them, if you've bought them 1,700 times and never wear them, give up on ballet flats. Yep. It's the same thing as bangs. Have a shopping philosophy and stick to it. And it's one that you create for yourself, not like a never wear white after Labor Day. No, that's bullshit. It's your style philosophy. It's like, you know what? A mid-calf boot does nothing for me. Also, to add to that, if there is a trend piece and you can only see yourself wearing it with one specific outfit and it's not an outfit that you would wear often, it is not worth buying. This shopping philosophy will help you define and stick to and hone in to your personal style. Love that. Even if it's a style that you weren't expecting or refuses any definitions, which is why it's personal. It doesn't have to fit into a box. I'm having a late in life realization about my fashion. And this is why it says, even if you weren't expecting it, don't be afraid to break a fashion rule. Look for style inspirations from the world around you. Identify common themes from what you find visually appealing. And I mean, inspiration from everything. When you look at a painting, you're like, oh, I really like that color, whatever it is. And have a little inspiration sheet drawing from all the different aspects of your life where you're like, you know what? I'm really into equestrian. What are the common themes that you like? The goal is to bring forth the parts of you that you love most, getting to the essence of who you are in terms of your style, whatever that means. Keep trying. Style is an ongoing personal journey of discovery, experimentation, and fun. Sometimes you won't get a positive reaction from others, and that can be painful, but that's okay. Maybe try to start small. Try one out-of-the-box item that you're not used to wearing, but that really speaks to you. Try it out, and then work on from there. Each of us has our own beauty. There is not one kind of beauty. You have to divest in caring about what other people think about you. So this is where I had like an aha moment. Aside from the fact that I like bright patterns and bold colors, I dress kind of plainly. Jeans and a bright color. Jeans and a polka dot. T-shirt. Yeah, I haven't really taken a ton of fashion risks, even though to some my color choices or pattern choices might be a little bold. I've always felt more stylish than the way that I dress. When I heard this, you have to divest caring about what other people think about you. I had a real come to Jesus moment. I grew up in a very rich town and we weren't poor, but we were poor for that town. Single mom, I lived in a house with lots of other people that were related to me. And I grew up in a town where kids got DeLoreans for their sweet 16. It was the 80s. I know three kids that got DeLoreans for their bar or bat mitzvahs. Okay? That's the town I lived in. And I got made fun of for my clothes because my mom made a lot of my clothes or we shopped at Bradley's, a Kmart or a Walmart kind of thing from the 70s. And I was always dressed well. And I look back and I look fly, but I was not dressed in Z Cavaricis and guests. It was the same for me growing up. And I never told my mom because I didn't want my mom to feel bad about another thing. The kids would sing the song, baby cloth. She's got the cutest little baby cloth. They said I dress like a baby because I didn't wear designer labels. Kids are so dumb. That doesn't even fucking make sense. I know. Where are they now? I can tell you where they are now. She's an eyebrow lady in my town. The girl that made up that song. It made me dress in my choices as an adult plain. 
plain because I didn't want to draw any attention to myself, negative or positive. And that has stuck with me my whole life. Dress well, but plain. And I know that seems weird because I like bright colors, but on a whole, I dress kind of run of the mill. But I read that and I was like, well, fuck me. Because the person that I want to be is I want to be that Carla Rockmore chick. I want to wear like two skirts on top of each other with a harness, motherfuckers. Okay, so now that you have purged your closet and have a good sense of what looks good on you, you got to build your closet back up. This is what I just did recently. This process has taken me months where I did the huge cleaning out with your garage sale, made $800, $900. I mean, that was an amazing garage sale. I got rid of so many amazing pieces that didn't fit me, didn't serve me. The amount of people who bought designer jeans for $20. And I would say like, let me tell you, those will make your ass look incredible. And it was true because they did that. They just don't fit me anymore. And now I've been focusing on rebuilding with classic pieces, pieces I know I'll wear over and over and over again. This is what I'm doing with my designer resale is I'm trying to resell pieces. Some of my own, some stuff I find at Goodwill because I have good eye on that. And then use that money to buy new stuff. Spend a lot of money on high quality fabrics that will last a long time and consider spending money on basics. So instead of being like, oh, I can get that t-shirt for $25. Mm, T-shirts I disagree with. I'm a firm believer in too expensive t-shirts. They fit different. I just did a huge tank top t-shirt refresh where I bought a bunch from a bunch of different cheapy places to see what was best. And I just want you guys to know that the best plain white t-shirt is from Target and it's A New Day is the brand. I'm going to find the link and link it in here because I bought it in white and black and it is a perfect t-shirt for under $10. Spend more money on basics because it's price per wear. If you're going to wear it four times a week, invest money in it. What you like and don't like will change and what you feel comfortable and uncomfortable in will also change and that's okay. So this doesn't have to be forever, but it is not for one style trend. If you see a trend that you like and think will work well, maybe try accomplishing it with pieces that you already have. Or if you really feel like you need to follow that trend, buy one piece and just do it with one piece instead of going whole hog in. Don't let a passing trend break the bank. Being able to tell the difference between liking an item and liking an item as part of your wardrobe is level 10 styling hack. You can like something, but to like it as a part of something you're going to buy and put into your wardrobe is something very different. You know how long denim skirts are in style again? Not going to do it. I did it the first time, but yes. I did the first time also, and I love the way some of these girls are styled styling their long denims. I really do. I think it's beautiful. And I have almost bought myself the perfect long denim skirt with the slit five times in the past two months. And the thing that stops me is I know I will wear it one time for that look and then not wear it again. Because you know what? I am just not a skirt wearing person all the time. I'd rather wear jeans or pants. Why would I spend that money? And that's just an example. It's like you can love it. You can appreciate it. It doesn't mean you have to wear it all the time. And then it says the only rules are your rules, baby. I wanted to add some supplemental reading to the people who are really into this topic. The way I present myself, it makes me feel good about myself. It's just a very important thing to me. It always has been. I have always been a very stylish person, and I'm not saying that means expensive. I just mean very creative and express myself. I haven't been, but I've always been into style. And when I had Sebastian and my body changed and then the pandemic, I totally lost it. So like I said, it's really been a 
journey. I think all these tips are so, so good and so spot on. The other person that really helped me start to find my style, her name is Allison Bornstein. I tried to get her on the show. She hasn't done it. Come on, Allison, do the right thing. Don't you know who we are? I know. She's on TikTok and Instagram. She is at Allison Bornstein 6. She basically has a three-word method, and it's using three words. Every time you go to put together an outfit or you fall in love with a piece of clothing at a store, you have to think about, does it fit into my three words? And I'll be honest with you, I still don't have my three words totally set in stone because I change, because I know I like classic, but I also sometimes like dressing kind of like a frat boy stoner. You have so many levels. But you know what I mean? Sometimes I like to wear like a ripped up t-shirt and my midnight toker hat. And other times I'm wearing a fucking white button down and a neckerchief. Or a bright red suit. Right. Those things are different, but all part of my sense of style. So it's how do you navigate that? And then she'll look at celebrities and be like Mindy Kaling's three words and how you can always see these three things reflected. So Alison Bornstein 6, check her out. Next up, Donna Falzone. Roughly 10% or 190 million women and girls of reproductive age suffer from endometriosis, a condition in which cells similar to the lining of the uterus or endometrium grow outside the uterus. This week, not only are we on the red carpet of the Endometriosis Foundation of America's 11th annual Blossom Ball in New York City, but here to tell us more is Endometriosis Foundation of America ambassador, co-founder of Lift Our Voices, a mom and a contributing editor to The Daily Beast, Diana Falzone. Hi, Diana. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. Can you tell us about endometriosis? There's so many components of endometriosis. You did a great job explaining the definition. I am not a doctor, but I am a woman with endometriosis who suffered from debilitating cramps and so many other symptoms that I did not even know were outside of the normal menstrual cycle. I just was told for so many years, since I was 11 years old and suffering, that it was what women go through and that some women were unluckier than others when it came to their periods. I got my period 11 years old and my periods were very, very heavy, a pad every hour on the hour. And if I didn't, I would bleed through. Wow. I had extreme cramping. My periods were also erratic in cycles. So they would last from 12 to 14 days, sometimes 17 days out of a month. And then I would have a week of or five days of nothing and I'd feel pretty good. And then I'd start bleeding again. It was every two weeks almost. Wow. I had that too. They thought that I had it because it ran in my family. Turns out it was a whole other female issue, but it's crazy. Yeah. My mom didn't know what to do with me. She was just like, well, this isn't normal. I've never experienced this. Let's bring you to the doctor. And the doctor said, well, she's really young for a gynecologist, but she should see a gynecologist. The gynecologist was like, yeah, well, you know, this is just what happens for women. You're just unlucky. Here's a birth control cycle. Take the pills and see you later. A curse was put on your family by a witch. That's like the science that they used to do. It's funny too to mention that, right? Because centuries ago, endometriosis was called hysteria. They actually thought women were insane. In certain countries, women are put in health when they bleed because they're unclean. And anyone born with a uterus can be affected by endometriosis. So it's one in 10 that we know of, and there's most likely more. But I think what's really clear is that endometriosis has gotten a lot of awareness over the years, thanks to co-founder of Endofam, Padma Lakshmi, who was really the first public 
public figure to get out there and just say, hey, let's desensitize the menstrual cycle and make it part of the vernacular and talk about it in the mainstream because every person that is born with a uterus will menstruate and we have to stop making this a dirty, bad word. It is a very normal biological function. And for some people, that biological function happens to come with an illness called endometriosis that is more than painful cramps. There is extra pelvic involvement. So what ended up happening with me is that when I was 32 years old, I had such an extreme acute onset of symptoms. I was vomiting. I had a low grade temperature. I felt like I was being stabbed in my abdomen. Turns out after going from doctor to doctor that a specialist said I have a very high suspicion of endometriosis. And it was at that time she said, you're going to need to see a surgeon. You're going to need to go get surgery. And then she said, and I want to do a test called the AMH test, anti-malarian hormone, simple lab test. Anyone could get it done. It tests the egg reserves you have. So simultaneously found out that I had infertility at 32 and endometriosis. Infertility is different than being sterile. Man, I had eggs, but my egg reserve was diminished to the point of someone who already went through menopause. I, for so many years, was told nothing was wrong with me and just thought I was dealing with a period that just sucked. Yeah. And had to suck it up. I mean, I had so many ovarian cysts rupture. So many times I was vomiting and bleeding and just told, well, you know, it is what it is. Not once in all those appointments did one doctor tell me it could be endometriosis. Not one. Wow. And here I was from 11 and I'm 32. Look at that gap. And it's on average seven to 12 years that people with endo suffer from not getting diagnosed to the misdiagnoses and everything in between. And I remember just crying because I'm like, wait, holy crap. All I want to do is be a mom one day. And what are you saying? That's being taken away from me. And the doctor informed me that endometriosis is, if not the leading cause of infertility, it is one of the leading causes of infertility. Is it treatable in any way? And then what was your journey like to motherhood then? Endo does affect the ovaries, the uterus. It's kind of like a sticky chewing gum that when you get it onto the bottom of your sneaker and you walk around, it kind of spreads the chewing gum. That's how endometrial lesions can behave. It can cause scar tissue, right? Exactly right. And for me, my uterus was being pulled by endometrial adhesions to the right. So I was at the prime of my career, 32, was in a long-term partnership, had an excision surgery, was told I'm infertile. So I was told to retrieve whatever eggs I had. I did a few egg retrievals, then I got sick again. And I actually had appendicitis that was caused by endometriosis. So it wasn't coming up in tests, profusely sweating and so much pain. Finally went into the ER, saw Dr. Sechkin, who's also a co-founder of EndoFound. And he was like, wow, you're just loaded with endo. And it wasn't even a full year between surgeries. It was hard to know that I was kind of in this window of you're clear now. We've cleaned you out as best as we can. We think we've got it all. And if you want to get pregnant, which we know is a goal of yours, you should really think about making embryos and having them transferred. So my long-term partner and I did that course. And I have my son who is a healthy, thriving, four and a half year old bundle of energy, nonstop little kid named Alexander. Thank God. And I know I'm one of the very fortunate to have had him because there are so many people out there with endometriosis that it's heartbreaking that they haven't had early interventions. That appointment for me, as hard as it was, was fertility saving because I had the opportunity to intervene. But if I waited any longer, I might have been robbed of having a biological child. So we know that you are an endometriosis foundation of America ambassador. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that the Undo Found does? So for over a decade, 
decade, they have been fierce in their awareness campaigns. But now it's gone even further with advocacy on a federal and state level. We were part of helping to get a bill across the aisle for New York State, which is going to help teach in school systems about menstrual health disorders such as endometriosis, PCOS, and similar disorders. 200 million women or those born with the uterus globally are estimated to have this. It really comes down to so many doctors that are training in gynecology and obstetrics to be able to at least recognize, if not be able to treat, at least recognize the signs and symptoms. So going back to what EndoFound is doing is they are pushing and helping push these bills, even in my home state of New Jersey. Our home state too. Yeah. Jersey girls. Yeah. And I'm proud of New Jersey state for what they're doing with Assemblywoman Spite. She is really making headway to try to explain why this disorder, this illness needs to be taken seriously and to put into screening at different healthcare systems throughout the state. So we help advocate and help push those kinds of bills forward. So hopefully they're made into law so that women such as myself don't get to stage four where your uterus are entrapped and you could be losing a kidney or where you are robbed of the dream of motherhood if that is your dream. They also have a team of ambassadors such as Corinne Fox and Olivia Copo who are using their voices on a celebrity level to help raise it up so that this continues to stay in the mainstream that endometriosis has spoken about. So we ask all of our parents this, what do you think is the number one thing every parent should outsource if they have the means to do so? If I could outsource anything, it would be someone to help me have a nap. That's a great one. Diana, thank you so much. You've been vulnerable and open. Thank you very much. Plug yourself. Plug anything else that you want to plug. Just my name at Diana Felzone. Think Calzone, Felzone. It's easy. If you want to learn more about endofound or endometriosis, you can go to endofound.org. We have a lot coming up in terms of patient day that's coming up. And I believe that will also be virtually available at some point so that people who want to learn about it, think they might have it, think a loved one might have it. They can go on endofound.org and learn a lot about the disease. Again, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, it's Ashley from Momtourage. We are at Cipriani's in Midtown Manhattan at the 11th annual Blossom Ball for the Endometriosis Foundation of America. And we're going to talk to some celebrities today. First up, Olivia Culpo, model, influencer, actress, and one of the night's Blossom Award honoree and Endo Found ambassadors. Well, don't you look beautiful? Oh my gosh, thank you. So do you. This is my mom. Hi, nice <laughs> Susan. To meet you. She's here too in the interview, I guess. I am here for Endo Found. We are raising awareness for endometriosis that affects one in ten women. It takes ten years to diagnose. There's a lot of research that we need to have completed. We need to find a cure. We need to help these people. I have endometriosis, that's another fun fact, and I'm happy to help in any way I can. What kind of awareness do you hope a foundation such as this, an event such as this, really spreads to the general public? I mean, I know I, for one, didn't know much about endometriosis until I started preparing to cover this event. So what do you hope people take away from something like this? It's so crazy that so many people still don't know about endometriosis, and it's because it's such a complex disease that affects everybody so differently. A lot of doctors aren't trained to diagnose this disease and it leaves people in a lot of discomfort and isolation and that's why it takes 10 years to diagnose. So I really just hope that we spread awareness. I hope people can hear the stories of so many women who have suffered so much and I hope that they can feel less alone knowing that we're starting to support and rally around them as a community. Next up, actress Corinne Fox, who's another Blossom Award honoree and Endo Found ambassador. So can you tell me about what you're doing here today, what you're hoping people get out of this? 
Yeah, um, I'm being honored by the Endometriosis Foundation of America with their Blossom Ball for my advocacy work. Um, I've been working with them since 2021, and um, we've done a lot of great things together, one of which I'm really proud of. Um, I'm also an ambassador for NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and so we've been working on a campaign to connect the dots between mental health and chronic pain. Oh, I love that. Yes, and so I got to bring these two organizations together. Um, so I'm really proud of that, and, and my work with, with Endofound has just been so fulfilling and rewarding for me. Um, so I'm just happy to be here, and I, I hope that I get to in inspire others and, and share my story and people connect with it. Bindi Irwin just came out yeah. with having endometriosis. There's always celebrities kind of coming out with this. Why do you think that's important for the public to learn about and, and hear about? Um, because endometriosis is so common, but it's not commonly talked about. Um, more than one in 10 women have endometriosis, and so it's not some rare disease. Yeah. And so I think the more people that come out and talk about it just makes it more normalized so we can have these conversations. And so hopefully people can get diagnosed a lot earlier. And last but certainly not least, mother and Endofound co-founder Padma Lakshmi. What I want is for as many people to talk about endometriosis as possible. That's why Dr. Seshkin and I started the foundation you know, in 2009, nobody was talking about this illness and women were undiagnosed and misdiagnosed constantly. I was misdiagnosed for 23 years and thank God I found the treatment that I needed. You know, it affected me so much. It affected my relationships. It affected my ability to earn a living. It just permeates every aspect of your family and your life. And it's the leading cause of infertility in women. And if you've never explored your fertility before you're ready to have a baby, it may be too late. There are many women who are asymptomatic. And in my case, I totally was not asymptomatic. I was in pain for a whole week in bed, taking really strong pain medication with a heating pad and cheese. And I tried everything. And I'm glad I got the treatment that I needed. I'm glad that we exist. I'm glad that we've inspired thousands and millions of women to go get checked and I'm also inspired that we managed to double the amount of funding that our country and the National Institute of Health spends on the research because it's not just a woman's disease, it's a family issue. Absolutely. Doctors in general tend to not listen to women when they express their concerns and because you are one of the few women on this carpet that I can talk to about motherhood, yes. what would you like other women, what is the thing you want them to take from this? Well, the one thing I always tell young women in their 20s and 30s, you know, if you can afford it, freeze your eggs. You know, even if you can't afford it, try to save up for it. Ask your parents to help you. That's what family's there for. And freeze your eggs. Just buy yourself some insurance and do it before you're married. Don't even fertilize them. That way you have control. It buys you insurance. It buys you a few extra years to decide when starting a family is right for you. And in this current age where I have less, you know, where my daughter has less bodily autonomy than I did in the 70s and 80s. What a crazy. And beyond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never thought I would see the day. It is more important than ever to make sure that we as women decide our destinies for ourselves when the time is right, when we're financially stable, when we're ready emotionally. Absolutely. We ask all of our parents this. What is the number one thing you think every parent should outsource if they have the means to do so? Math homework. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Can you imagine if Padma had said cooking? What <laughs> no. a world. 
March is Endometriosis Awareness Month. To learn more about the condition or donate to the Endometriosis Foundation of America, head to endofound.org. Hashtag swag bag. In the article we were talking about fashion-wise, I do think that it is worth spending on pieces that will last. I don't think t-shirts are worth spending a ton of money on, especially a white t-shirt, which is a classic, that you wear often. For me, I wear a white t-shirt all the time. They get stained. They get yellowed armpits sometimes. It can be yucky. So I try to find cheap versions for that. So I found one from Target. Actually, I'm going to put two things that I found at Target that I think will add a lot to your wardrobe because they have added to mine. The first is the woman's relaxed tee from A New Day. Get your normal size. It's a little baggier. It fits perfectly. It's the kind of thin you want it to be. It is just, for me, the perfect t-shirt. I bought it in white and black. I bought multiple in the white. I highly recommend it. And it is, I believe, $6. And I got it on sale for $4.80. The other is the women's rib tank top. Also A New Day. I bought a shit ton of them from different stores. And this is the best fitting one and it was $6.40. I bought it in white, black, and gray. Both of those things will be linked below. The Lara Mercier Under Eye Brightening Concealer. It comes in two colors. It was recommended by Erica Taylor 2347, the woman on TikTok who does all the under eye concealer stuff. Is that the woman with the really bad, creepy under eyes? No. This is that chick. She's very Sopranos. Oh, okay. But her makeup is flawless. That plus the Ilia Under Eye Concealer, it's been really brightening my under eye. But I think, honestly, it's just that the eye brightener underneath and you blend it out with a brush. I'm pretty sure it's the Laura Mercier Under Eye brightener. And it's giving me the vibes of the one that you found that I refuse to be part the of. beauty pie? Yeah. It's been really helping because my eyes are very hollowed out looking now. Yeah, mine too. It makes it look good hollowed Ozempic out and not hollowed Crypt Keeper out. Oh, I love that. Hey guys, have a great week. Stay safe and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own in the these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or MamaDramaBand.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.